0: Hey there everybody! Welcome to the Punch Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And this is the show where we take a look at graphic novels and trade compilations with female protagonists. And Liz brought these ones to the table. We're actually doing a double feature this time. It's our first one, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, so these uh, we are doing two books in the Olympians series. Is it a series? Are there more than these two? Yes there. It's a
1: whole series. Um, These are numbers two and three, volumes two and three, actually.
0: Okay. uh, Which So these are um, graphic novel retellings of Greek myths. We're doing one focused on Athena and the other on Hera. Mm -hmm. And these are by George O'Connor, who's the only credited person. So I'm going to assume he did the writing and the art.
1: I believe that is correct.
0: So... I guess i will just start. Any particular impetus for you to, to bring these ones up?
1: Um, so we were using Athena in one of my graphic novel groups for my students. Um, I had had a student who had read several of the different ones because um, there's different gods and goddesses featured in each. And I believe we have um, Poseidon and Zeus as well as Athena. And we might have Hades as well. Um, but I, did, I do know at one point or another we had Poseidon and Zeus um, and Athena. And I asked him which one was the best. This was one of my seventh graders. And he said we should read Athena. So we decided to put that um, as something the students could choose. Um, and I think it was my fifth and sixth graders. There was a group of um, three or four of them that ended up reading it. Um so that's how that came about and I thought it was kind of short and slim and so I said let's maybe get another one mm-hmm. and we looked at what else they had that featured a goddess and the only other option was Aphrodite so I asked if you wanted Aphrodite and Hera and you he said let's take a look at Hera and so we did
0: So and and these um for the for the listeners these are not reimaginings these are not um you know reworkings these are not you know putting in a modern context or giving a unique spin these basically are more or less the greek myths told fairly straight
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so it's it it's not uh it's not like a greek myth flavor the, these are the myths
1: this is not rick riordan or anything like that or you know percy jackson with where it features the gods but you know has these demigod modern heroes
0: yes yeah yeah. so i guess we'll we'll start with athena because that was the one that i think both of us actually read first Mm -hmm. um this one has an interesting framing device of the fates basically as they toil swapping stories about Athena, which is the way that they interconnect what are otherwise stories that have no connection to each other, aside from Athena's own presence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like Most of these stories, if you were trying to tell a continuous narrative, they do not connect,
1: no.
0: aside from happening to involve the same god. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I think I'll start talking about the artwork. I really like the art styling of this. Um I enjoy it quite a bit. It's it's a I find it to be an interesting balance because the 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 facial expressions Occasionally can get Cartoonish seems like too harsh a word but can get a little bit on that end of things But it can also do pretty grand Scale things like some of the battle imagery and sometimes it does some interesting things with silhouettes and more minimalistic um touches. It's not particularly overloaded with detail. Um, Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. I I like the art style quite a bit.
1: I didn't really like it that much. I didn't like the tendency, and I think I noticed it more in Athena, towards overly muscular men and overly slender women. That kind of happened in it. Um, So that kind of set me off. Um, And in general, I mean, I don't hate it. it. and I think he does a better job with the monsters and like the action scenes than maybe just like dialogue and stuff. But it didn't really do much for me.
2: Hmm. Um. I
0: I will I will concede to you on the monster. Like I I thought the Medusa, especially how um,
1: the hand coming out of the the head i think it was i had it in my notes was like a really cool thing
0: that some of that was cool i thought the the stuff we got of medusa especially how much she's she's honestly hidden a lot in shadow and and silhouette the
1: medusa story was probably the best done for me in the in the book
0: now as far as the body types which you brought up i will i will grant you the overly slender women. Although Athena's got some decent muscle on her. Um, but what I will point out in terms of overly muscular men almost every god every male character we see is a god except yeah. for except for Perseus, who is who is a scrawny god, little like, little yeah. bugger.
1: All right. So
0: I I feel uh, I feel like get Perseus yeah, yeah, so let's get him here.
1: I guess it's just the contrast. So yeah,
0: here's Perseus.
1: Eh, he's got some legs. He's
0: he's wiry. He's not he's not built. Okay. And and all the other male characters we see are jacked are, gods. Are are the gods? They're, they're they're Zeus. They're Poseidon, and I mean even Hermes is uh, is pretty toned. But again, we're talking about the Olympians there, so I, I
1: right feel like I can get yeah, a pass. Yeah, but why do they have wayfish?
0: That goddesses. one, I, that one, I'll give you. I'll give you that one. I'm not even gonna fight you on that. Mm, okay. Um, especially because that that one we don't have a contrast. Because like I can defend the male physique. Because I can look at at Perseus and go, oh, okay. I can. There's a distinction between the humans and the gods. There aren't the-
1: really when you look at like. DNA or Andromeda or anything Yeah, we still the, the same body
0: the, type. The human um, females and the divine females all have the exact same body type in this. Yes, you are you, you are right about that. I can I can I can't argue with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the what what I liked is this this didn't shy away from how weird no, it doesn't. The, the Greek myths are. And it's funny because a lot of these things, like, there was almost nothing that I read that I hadn't heard or read at some point before, mm-hmm. like, as part of being the myth. But there's something about seeing it drawn, as opposed to just reading, reading, not even a description, but just reading, and then this happened, mm-hmm. in, you know, in a, in a written up version of it that really doesn't probably bring across how weird it is because most, most translations of these myths are really pretty dry.
2: Mm -hmm. They're very,
0: and then this, and then this, and then this.
1: Yeah. The old ones.
0: Yeah. So unless you're
1: looking at Ovid or, yeah. So if you're
0: reading that, unless you really stop and think about what it was you just read, it doesn't really sink in just how weird this actually is. Like the image of Athena bursting fully formed from Zeus's head. I knew that was a thing that happened, but Mm -hmm. somehow seeing it drawn really made the point of just how bizarre that really is, much better than my just even having been aware of that.
1: Yeah. Yup. Yeah, they're, like, going to hammer his head apart, and there she is. Um... (laughs) yeah and i think the the story of arachne at the end kind of illustrates that and like highlights that point where she mocks the gods and is like look at what they've done my goodness and like athena becomes furious because you know this is her family these are her people and she reveres them and her her tapestries show that but you know, Raphy's got a good point. <laughs> like this is some weird stuff going on here. Yeah. Um yeah, and I mean that struck me too was the fact that like my elementary students read these and I was like, yeah, Zeus is philandering all over the place in both of these. Mm-hmm. And like th- th- they're a little bit violent and like th- th- the I mean, Zeus is kind of, he's very much a PG-13, at least, God. At minimum.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the reason he gets away with that is because he keeps appearing as not a dude. He is a, go- Yeah. and this one I didn't this... even know. This one was in Hera. He's a golden rain. Oh, he <laughs> and has that's, And that's how he a- appears to this woman. As swans,
1: <laughs> as bulls, as rain, as. Uh, I don't remember all of it, but like yeah he he is he's there's a lot there's bestiality, and like, I mean, not explicit again, like nothing goes into too much detail, which is I think why he gets away with it, but like,
0: yeah, it's yeah i i was s- it was more
1: than I was expecting, and I was like, okay, is this going over their heads, and
0: I, I would say, age-wise, these are probably PG-13 books.
1: Yeah, but, like, uh, it's funny because they appeal to, like, my fourth through sixth graders more than necessarily my eighth graders.
0: Well, I mean, when I say PG-13, that I, I do, I, I use that basically in the same way you would label it a movie. Uh, it's not a hard line, but it's mm, it's a general, okay. because, I mean, how many fourth graders love, the Marvel movies which, yeah. which are all PG-13 mm-hmm. so I mean I I mean that more as a as intended for the same guideline as you would give when thinking about a movie
1: yeah yeah Um. so
0: and I, I think the other thing that I appreciated is since since it was titled Athena I kind of expected it to be more I guess reverent of her as a character but it doesn't shy away from the fact that even even though amongst the gods she's probably the closest to an admirable figure uh-huh. she's still kind of a jerk
1: yeah not as much as daddy but yeah no yeah.
0: no it's it's hard to compete with uh, with zeus um
1: i i think it did a good job of depicting her as three-dimensional and getting to know Athena and who she is and what drives her more so than Hera did. Because I feel like Hera was still very much in some ways shrouded in mystery by the end. Like, you got to know her. Well,
0: okay. Yeah, let's let's get to Hera here.
1: Okay. Okay. So...
0: (laughs) I
1: okay, go for it. I wanna know. I just
0: wanna shout false advertising. Yeah. On this book. Yeah, this is I think not, we're
1: gonna have the same
0: issue then. Yeah. It's not about Hera. She is used as a weak framing device to tell the story story of Hercules. Yep. That was which my is is issue. Fine, too. but he he is like seventy percent of this book. I know. It's his, why is it's her name on the levers. title?
1: I don't know. It it, I was very disappointed yeah. too.
0: I was, and I mean, the, the other thing, like with Athena, we got—I don't know what was it—like four or five stories of her, or that connected directly to her. Mm-hmm.
1: And Perse, it, she was more present in the Perseus story, I feel like, than Hera was throughout the Hercules story. Well, I
0: mean, there's that, but the other thing with the Hera is that we get a little bit at the front end, basically saying how she managed to manipulate her way into a better uh, or at least safer relationship with Zeus than most women have had. Than
1: Athena's mother Metis, yeah.
0: Yeah, Uh, which which I actually appreciated and I thought did a good job of illustrating her. I did.
1: The courtship story was interesting and probably like, I like that she was so cautious, and I think that showed her character and illustrated her character well.
0: Yes, but then once that's done, it then goes in... And that is basically used as a setup to lead into Hercules, and then it's just the Hercules story.
1: I know. For the whole rest of the thing. And the Hercules story... There's 12 labors. He starts out with 10, but then he has to make up two more, and... Some of them I wanted more of and some of them I'm just like, there's just too many and they're all getting jumbled together and I just don't care for a lot of them.
0: See, the thing was, I might have cared if that's what the if book was. If wa- it called
1: Hercules. Yes, if that's what the
0: book was Kara. selling, but I kept finding myself going, what? Are we ever going to get, get back, back to Hera? And, and then they kind and of, apparently the answer is, no, not really. At the
1: end, they're like, she's going to go take a bath, and isn't she mysterious? And I'm just like, I still don't really feel like I know who she was. I feel like I know who Her- Hercules is better, but I don't really care. And I, like... Maybe give me parts of the Trojan War, Maybe give me some other ones, like story, myths she's involved in. but, like, there's got to be more to her Hera than this. Like it was disappointing. Yeah, I did like Athena better. Um, I'll probably talk a little bit about both. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, overall, i I liked Athena much better mm-hmm. because i it. Simply by virtue of containing so many different stories, it felt like a much more complete sampling nice
1: anthology. Yeah,
0: it felt like a really, a really nice sampling of the sorts of things this goddess was involved in. Whereas
1: it was more female focused too, because it was even within it. You had like the palace story, which I'm con- I'm impressed that my students weren't more confused because we have three different characters that have the name palace in here
0: that's true yeah yeah, I
1: was like I am so impressed that none of them are like what is going on because I was even like this is going to be really confusing for them um but they didn't so kudos to them um but you've got her fighting you've got her friend so there's a female character you've got arachne as her like opponent. Well, you've got a bit
0: with Metis, too, her mother.
1: You've got Metis, her mother, um, Danae and Andromeda show up in the Perseus story, and I really like that Andromeda was depicted as dark-skinned. She's Ethiopian, that makes sense, but like in everything else I've ever seen of her in depictions, she's like this fair-haired girl, and I'm like, i really appreciated that
0: hercules had a pretty impressive tan
1: well yeah well as he's well, related i mean he's a yeah. descendant of so perseus there, and andromeda so that makes sense so there, i will there give is them a nice some diversity
0: visual consistency across the book it, it wasn't like um george o'connor forgot how he chosen to depict characters from volume to volume there is there is a very strong consistency considering that he, he probably could have gotten away with basically starting from scratch each time.
1: Yeah. Yep. So I I appreciated that. Um, I did like the Arachne story and the depictions of the tapestries in there. Um, yeah. And I think... I mean, I don't love the way that the female form is depicted or versus the male form, but I think Athena... I didn't love it, but, like, it was a stronger volume than Hera, certainly.
0: It was. And, and
1: delivered mean, on what was because it was about Athena throughout. Because I can't, as, I mean, the Perseus story was kind of lengthy, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say it wasn't even half of this. Whereas I think the Hercules story was more than, was easily more than half of the
0: Hera. Well, yeah, I just did a quick count. So, in Hera, we've got the first 20. Oh, look pa- at the Perseus. In Hera, the first 20 pages are... Focus properly on Hera and actually depict her pretty interesting and pretty well, and especially in terms of showing that her power, if we're going to compare to Athena, is a very different kind of power than what Athena wields, Mm -hmm. but still depicting that Hera is powerful. Mm -hmm. But then starting at page 21, it's Hercules all the way to page 64. Mm -hmm. So 44 pages is Hercules, and what have we got at the end? Another, t- so, the, a th- only one-third of the, the volume titled Hera Ooh. is exclusively focused on her, and two-thirds of it is on Hercules, and she gets mentioned vaguely and sporadically across that. But she is not the focus at all.
1: Okay, so we have like 20 pages of Perseus. Um, And you've got to keep in mind you've got Medusa in there, which is a female villain. Um, And actually one or two of those pages is like the origin of Medusa.
0: Yeah, which uh, she's a surprisingly sympathetic character, all things considered.
1: Yes, she is. I had known that origin story before, but yeah. Uh,
0: Again, I feel that like that was an origin story that I knew at some point had read, but it like hadn't registered to me how how screwed up it is and again sort of emphasizing the gods are jerks massive massive really
1: big jerk in athena especially and just kind of a flandering moron who's afraid of losing his wife and Hera. um
3: but also
0: won't start stop messing around yeah like ever
1: yep no (laughs) <laughs> He's like, where is she at the end? And like, she's going to take a bath, dude. Like, calm down. <laughs> <sighs>
0: so yeah, I think, I think we're kind of both a little mixed on both. I think I probably liked Athena better than you did.
1: I think so. I felt kind of mad towards it. I was I, I love Greek mythology, and I was brought up on Delaire's book of Greek myths, which is gorgeous and has so much and it's just a great if you're looking to introduce like mid-elementary kids to mythology I highly recommend it it's got illustrations it really lays them out um, both like the stories of all the gods and the titans but also individual hero stories as well Um, you can pick and choose in it so that would be my preference if I'm reading Greek mythology. Um, but I, I the Athena has some merit and my kids liked it, um, several of them, actually one of them told me recently, she was like, yeah, that was a pretty good book. Yeah, I liked Athena. So um, we don't actually have Hera. Um, I borrowed this from another librarian in the district, so I'm not sure what they would think of that, but I'm not necessarily gonna get it either. Um, I'd be curious to look at some of the other ones as well, though. I mean, again, they're really quick reads. So I feel I'm... I liked Athena okay here. I'm like, meh. No. Not really. There's (laughs) got to be more out there about her. I don't want the main character to be still a mystery to me at the end of it. Even if it is a short volume.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I think I like Athena better than you did. I think we both liked Athena better than Hera, but I I still am only kind of like it's pretty good. That's about where I top out.
1: Yeah, we're kind of giving it like a sort of a thumb up. Or that's what I'm doing. A, a thum- For Athena thumb- and Hera, I'm just like no. A,
0: like- a thumb slightly angled up.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think that is that about sums it up (laughs)
0: sounds good so we are going to take a quick promotional break and then we will be back with um, listener
3: feedback hi I'm Ruth and I'm Darren of the Rad Adventures Network
2: we're a married couple who enjoy great stories of all kinds including adventures, mysteries, science fiction and fantasy
3: please join us for a variety of podcasts focused on a range of pop culture topics
2: Trekker Talk is about 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the comic Trekker by writer and artist Ron Randall. It's a blend of classic sci-fi adventures and noir mysteries set in a retro future.
3: Xenozoic Xenophiles is about the comic Xenozoic Tales by writer and artist Mark Schultz. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs.
2: Warlord Worlds covers the many comics of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, and The Legion of Superheroes.
3: Sensational Sluice, where we talk about favorite mystery novels, movies, and TV shows.
2: Fantastic Fantasies, where we share our favorite fantasy films and books.
3: And Amazing Adventures, where we discuss action-packed adventure stories.
2: Listen on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
3: Or visit RadAdventuresNetwork.com to find all of our shows and links to our social media pages.
2: That's Rad, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren.
0: Welcome back, everybody. So our last episode was on She-Hulk, Volume 1 from Dan Slott's run on the character, and we have a number of comments we will start with one from ryan Daly. he wrote bit of trivia the law firm that jennifer joins is goodman lieber kurtzberg and holloway the first three names are homages to martin goodman marvel's first punisher stanley lee Lieb- no. sorry <laughs> My goodness! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Mark, Marvel does have a Punisher. In my In my defense. Okay. Um, Stanley Lieber, Stan Lee, and Jacob Kurtzberg, Jack Kirby. Um, that is a fun bit of trivia, because I I obviously Did I, I didn't catch that. Uh, great episode. I love this series, and I hope you revisit future volumes on this podcast soon, along with further volumes of Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl, mm-hmm. which. Yeah, there's a number of things that we've read over this that it would be very nice to tackle a second volume of, and maybe we will eventually. But there is so much stuff we we want to get to. It it'd be nice to to get uh, have gotten a, yeah. good, a good variety in before before we start repeating summer. ourselves,
1: we we will have some repeat authors before we do that, and they're probably going to be on on my end of the.
0: Well, they, we already have.
1: We have Noelle, yes. Yeah. And we are soon going to have another. Ooh, there's a little spoiler there, for you. There's
0: your teaser. Your teaser, yes. Um, I don't know when, when we'll have another Noelle Stevenson because she's busy working on the She-Ra reboot for Netflix. Ooh. I'm really curious to see how that turns out. Yes. Uh, next up, uh, Rob Kelly says, I think She-Hulk is one of the best examples of there are no bad characters created out of purely business considerations over time she has morphed into one of the most fun personalities of the mcu i loved burns fourth wall breaking version until it went off the rails and while i've only read a few issues of this run the stuff you two talked about makes me want to pick up a trade or two it sounds like a real delight though it would have been great to have an image gallery so we could see The book for ourselves, hint, hint, Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah, I know. Rob's not the first one to bring it up. I haven't been putting up gallery images, which most of the other folks on the network do. Yes, I'm (laughs) lazy and overworked by projects that I've assigned myself. So honestly, if I'm gonna complain to anybody, it should be just to me. But yeah, I'll maybe get better at that, but I make no promises um but yeah, i can't remember did i when we talked about this did we talk about like how she came about as a character like from a publishing standpoint
1: um i honestly can't remember
0: i don't i don't think we did so what what rob's talking about uh, when he says that she was created out of purely business considerations the deal that um was going on with marvel licensing with tv shows at the time was that the tv shows would retain themselves the networks would retain the rights to any original characters created within the shows Mm -hmm. so once um the incredible hulk tv show started taking off
2: Mm -hmm.
0: marvel very quickly threw together a she-hulk character because around this time, the bionic woman had spun oh. off from the six thousand uh, Sorry, $6 million man and was even more successful. And they realized, oh crap, if they create a female version of Hulk, they get to keep it forever. Mm-hmm. And it won't be ours. Which is also the same impetus that led to the creation of Spider-Woman. Um, oh. They had to create it before the network who had licensed Spider-Man for a live-action TV show did it first.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: Um, but then yeah, despite these very cynical origin stories, we still get some pretty good stuff out of it. And Spider Woman is on the docket as well. So we'll get to see how that turned out. Uh next up, our good friend Tim Price. Um, or or as they say over on Ohatmu, Tim Price! <laughs> Uh, Another great episode and a great book. Dan Slott's She-Hulk series was so clever and charming and far too short-lived. I can understand Liz's notes. (laughs) Yes, I
1: always have little
0: with with quotes quotes around notes, Um, and I love. But I loved it. I was lucky enough to get issue number one signed by Dan a couple of years ago. No surprise, he's a super nice guy. So our punchers asked if any other character was upset about getting powers. There have been plenty of angsty heroes or angry villains, but they end up doing hero-villain stuff anyway, not trying to live normal lives. I do have some notes. (laughs) So um, these are the ones that Tim came up with. Because um, we brought this up talking about Danger Man.
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: uh, He mentions Ben Grimm, The Thing. In, mm. in the early days, he was actively bugging Reed Richards to cure him. We're more used to his current portrayal, annoyed but resigned to his state, and inwardly proud of being a respected hero. Uh, over at DC, there is Rex Mason, also known as Metamorpho. While I don't know his history... <laughs> he's a... Um, he's weird (laughs)
1: he's yes because no one else in comics is weird.
0: well okay let me put it this way i don't i can't remember if he was originally created by but he definitely had his heyday written by a guy named bob haney who is um nickname in comic book fandom is zany haney (laughs) so when when somebody works in superhero comics which are already weird and goofy and has earned that kind of reputation, yeah. This is really weird and goofy. Okay. Uh, Anyway, what he says about Metamorpho, while I don't know his history as well, Rex was also looking to be human again at various times, but an adventurer at heart and enjoying the thrill of his powers. Uh, Also from DC, and this is a character I know almost nothing about, he mentions Dan Cassidy, the Blue Devil yes i have a huge <laughs> soft spot for bd uh, but he's the one i immediately thought of stuntman and engineer who built a fully functioning devil costume only to be trapped in it by a demon's curse oh that stinks you know like you do
1: mm-hmm.
0: he just wanted to keep working in movies but reluctantly kept getting roped into heroics not to mention being a quote-unquote weirdness magnet his Hollywood lifestyle meant he was not an ordinary guy like Danger Man, but the comic kept him as a pretty grounded, real-world person who didn't feel like he belonged with the superset, but as above, that changed over time as well. Interesting question. Always a treat to, to be punched by your show. Wait, what?
1: <laughs> um, so, the Blue Devil thing um, intrigues me because um, it's the mascot. I'm not of one of the schools i work at but another school within our supervisory union and i remember like looking at the like depiction of the mascot in the gym and being like what what is a blue devil what's going on but here is an actual example of (laughs) a blue devil in the comics so it is a thing so thank you um who said he was dc
0: He's DC, yep. Yes,
1: thank you, DC, for proving me wrong and that blue, uh, the blue devil is actually a thing, so.
0: It, they, they did not invent it just to irritate you. Uh, <laughs> amazingly.
1: <laughs> all right, fine.
0: Uh, Martin Gray commented saying... Do you want
1: me to read some? Sure, take it. Okay. Um, so Martin Gray says, Another great episode. I love this run. It was just such fun. And Pug was all around adorable. Brains and brawn. Yes. I have a soft spot for Pug. <laughs> Maybe the ultimate example of a character who didn't like their pa- powers was Element Woman, as reimagined by Neil Gaiman and Sandman. I don't think oh, I've gotten to her.
0: I got. I I tend to forget about her, her appearance in there. Not that not that it wasn't good. It was, but I mean, I haven't reread Sandman in a long I've time. I only and got it's, and the it's, first volume. And it's I ten, like it's it, ten but volumes. It's,
1: it's a it's a it's heady stuff. It's so. dense. Yeah. yeah. We are going to look at death at some point though. We
0: are. Yes. We, uh, death, death high cost of living is uh, on the docket. So yeah. we we'll, we'll get our we do have some of the like the big name writers in comics are on the docket. We have
1: And I do like we Neil have, Gaiman.
0: Yep, we have Neil Gaiman some on the docket. Cases. We have Alan Moore on the docket. God help us. We have Frank Miller on the docket.
1: Yeah, let's do Gaiman first. Okay. <laughs> Because, like, I really like some of his stuff. So, like Coraline and and, uh, Stardust.
0: Uh, And having mentioned that those are on the docket, that is not an indication of when. No. Because, again, the the docket is, like, 40, 50 books long. long. It's really long. And the, uh, the girls on More or not are always joking, like, yes, when we, f- when we finish this show in 20 years, like, I, I think we're still going to be doing this one, too, so.
1: <laughs> and there will be all the new things that are coming out.
0: Oh, man. And finally, Siskoid says, I've been curious about Dan Slott's She-Hulk series, which came out during one of my comic sabbaticals. Looks like it's worth checking out. Obviously, I've been a Shulky fan since Byrne put her in the Fantastic Four. His sensational She-Hulk did not age very well, I feel, because they're a bit exploitative, uh, if you know what I mean. After Byrne left, the series quickly went south. Very disappointed in Steve Gerber on the series. I really did like what I read of David Sewell's more recent series, though. It wasn't unlike what you described of Slots. Cool having not read any of those other runs I gotta take your word on those assessments Ciscoid
1: yes
2: mm-hmm.
0: um although like d- I do have like the first I don't know four or five issues of the 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 burn run because Ryan Daly gave them to me but I with with my massive abundance of free time somehow I have not been able to get to them <laughs> I don't yet know. Uh, uh. so I think that's gonna wrap it up folks so thanks so much for the comments thanks for writing in and please keep them coming we love hearing from you yay
1: thank you we love comments
0: so I think that'll that'll just about do it
1: yeah you know what we forgot to do
0: what did we forget
1: for the Athena Hera thing is ask what their favorite god or goddess is
0: oh there you go so hopefully you've stuck around through the the um, listener feedback so I'm I'm going to assume probably most of the the folks listening haven't read these particular books, but yes, tell us about your favorite Greek myths. If they can include a goddess, that'd be extra awesome. But even if it doesn't, throw us your your Greek myth preferences.
1: So what's your favorite? Oh. Uh, Either your favorite hero story or your favorite like Greek god or goddess. Mine's Diana.
0: I, for a myth, for on. a myth, I always kind of liked. Theseus, there's just something about the yeah. the there's something about there's something about a labyrinth and a maze that I always
1: You are a fan of the labyrinth.
0: I am. I am but uh-huh. uh, I I've I've always kinda like enjoyed it as a as a setting. It kinda captures my imagination a bit, especially something really expansive. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of partial to that one as far as a myth goes. For a specific God or goddess.
1: Oh, and I used her Roman name, Diana, but yes, Artemis in Greek. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. I do know (laughs) the difference. I just, I think it's because I, you know, Wonder Woman, Diana.
0: I I feel that. Honestly, I think for the gods, I was partial to Athena, if for no other reason than I I remember distinctly um, her basically turning Ares into a whiny little crybaby during uh, the Aeneid which I found highly enjoyable. Oh, yeah.
1: She's, she's got that going for her. <laughs> I liked Artemis, too, because she didn't get involved in the whole Trojan War thing and, like, it was just, like, I'm, I'm piecing out on this whole who's the fairest thing and, like, you know, she's no, the goddess of the re, hunt. Respect and, to that. Yeah. And I like Hermes a lot, too, because he's got that mischievous side and um, is involved in a lot of the... The hero stories. So, and he pairs well with Athena too. That's something else I meant meant to mention in this. I like that they pair up and help the the heroes. So,
0: yeah. There you go. Let us know your favorite, um, Greek gods or goddesses in the comments. And yeah, that'll that'll just about do it. So, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you in a month.
1: Punch Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production.
0: This show is presented on the Fire and Water Network, and feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter at punchlikeagirl1. The theme music is composed and recorded by Erica Drysbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! Thank <laughs> you.